0: Hey, Andrew, welcome to the show. This is a little bit different than the protectors normal show. This is everyday protectors. This is the people that are on the street doing the work, putting their lives on a line. And when they hear that call, the danger, they run to it. You've been in LEO for a while here. Let's talk about your, how long you've been in LEO and, and kind of what's that like? Why did you do that?
1: Uh, I've been in law enforcement uh, for about four years, coming up on four years. that I was actually working in corporate marketing for seven. Um, And funny enough, my office window looked at one of the fire stations that I now work at. And uh, I just thought, you know, there's got to be more than to just coming and sitting in a cubicle all day. Always had the uh, drive to want to help people. And I felt like, you know, doing marketing, which was, I mean, it was great, paid well and all of that. But it just felt like I was always chasing something. You know, we would put something out for marketing, and then it was the next thing and the next thing. And I just wanted to have something more meaningful to my life. So made the switch and haven't looked back. It's the best decision I've made.
0: You know, law enforcement is a huge adrenaline rush. You know, the old school LEOs, they'd strap on a six shooter, and they'd run right into the sound of danger. Some of them wouldn't even wear vests back in the day. Technology, everything has changed we know that with mm-hmm. the palm of your hand as a, a video recording device, anybody could watch you what's going on. They could look at you. They could see what you're doing. Now you're part of this new generation four years in mm-hmm. running to the sound of danger. The first time you did that, what was that adrenaline flow like? And it kind of explain the whole scenario.
1: Um. I think the the first example was actually my first day in field training. Uh, We're in briefing and we get the uh, tone—a single tone, which means it's either a weapons call or or some sort of fire or something like that. And it was a uh, a call for an individual with a knife that was threatening to stab people. So within literally the first five minutes of briefing and training, super green, still wet behind my ears, it was like, "All right, code three, we're going." And you know, the first time you go code three is kind of like a shocker, you know, you're like, I'm really doing this. I'm driving this fast and going to this. And, um, you're just kind of as a new officer trying to remember everything you were taught. Okay. I got to worry about this and X, Y, and Z. And is the scene safe? Is it still active? Who's who? And so, you know, I was trying to run through all that while getting there safely and actually going to the right spot because I was new. Um, so the first time was kind of a whirlwind. You kind of get this, uh, code 3 tunnel vision and and since then it's obviously it's it's changed a little bit but even now when i'm going to active calls it's kind of okay i need to address scene safety who's who and medical etc and uh it, the adrenaline is always still there you just are better at managing it as you go on but it's it's never going to go away which is i mean part of the reason why we all work this job is cuz we're kind of adrenaline junkies <laughs>
0: Well, when you talk code three, we're talking about, you know, you don't know what it's going to be. At first, you're just like, boom, we got to go. Uh, officer down, active shooter. Let's talk active shooter response. That is key when it comes to law enforcement now. And when you're running into an environment where you don't know if the shooter is running around with a shotgun, pistol, <clears throat> uh, a weapon that could defeat any body armor, and you're running into that situation, what is it like? prepping yourself and you do anything different than you would just a normal stop.
1: Yeah. Uh, obviously that's, I've been fortunate enough to where I haven't had to respond to an active shooter or, or things of that nature. Thankfully um, I think every officer hopes that they never have to respond. To, I mean, I certainly do hope I never have to respond to something like that, but when we do get those types of calls, it's, It's the ones that, okay, this sounds different than the other ones. This kind of raises the hair on the back of my neck. What do I need to do differently? Well, first thing I think of is, okay, we're issued soft armor, right? Knives and 45s are going to go straight through that. So I'm throwing on my plate carrier that's back here. It can protect me from 7.62 rounds. Um, I have three uh, 223 mags as well as a couple spare mags, medical, tourniquet, everything that I need. Uh, to prepare me better for the fight that I'm going to, as well as a helmet. I mean, we're issued, uh, you know, I'm grateful for what we're issued. Some departments aren't even issued anything, um, but we're issued old, old helmets. And now I got this hardhead veterans helmet that will uh, just protect my melon. Uh, So those are the first two things equipment wise that I'm throwing on, as well as uh, getting ready to deploy my department issued AR rifle.
0: And when you know, this is a little bit different. There's so many different scenarios for law enforcement. You said you, you carry three mags plus backup, plus medical, plus everything. A lot of times in an, so, you know you're, when you're outside of a city, you might not have backup showing up for a while. So you may have to be in a sustained environment where you may have to prog- uh, protect your life as well as your partners and those around you for an extended period of time and having the right equipment. It's kind of crucial. And training, 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 training. Now, departments, a lot of times, like, uh, for instance, I'm a Fed. It's every quarter we train. And the training really is just go shoot some holes in paper and you're moving on. Mm-hmm. What kind of training prepares you for that day-to-day uh, getting out there and being able to assist it, uh, sustain yourself?
1: Oh, man. I'm glad you asked that because you can't talk about training enough. And the nice part about social media is – There's training everywhere, which is, I guess, a double sided coin, right? It can be good and bad. You can get good teachers and bad teachers, but I'm fortunate enough to work for a department where we train monthly. Um, I do fire and police, so we're training monthly on what you're assigned to. So that could be uh, blue on blue, sim um, scenarios for law enforcement. We'll do driving drills, we'll do um, all kinds of stuff, including shooting, but your department, can only take you so far. Um, And I think in California, I'm lucky enough, that's one of the good things California does is train us well department-wise. But again, your department can only train you so far, so you have to take it upon yourself to vet and research good companies and go to those classes. Um, One of the classes that I started going to a long time ago was field craft survival. I took Mike Glover's very first class in Sacramento, And that was actually before I was LEO and I had done nothing like that ever. I mean, we were doing J turns, we were shooting out of cars, we were doing medical stuff. It was awesome. And I think then I had no idea what I was doing. I was just a civilian that was, you know, wanting to prepare myself. But I think what training does is it helps put you in those high stress situations for when God forbid you are in them later, you can go, okay, I I've trained for something similar to this, or I've at least thought about it. And I think the mystery is what throws everyone off to begin with. Um, you kind of go as, what is the scenario going to play out as, but if you have some, something similar, um, it, it will help better prepare you. For example, like we, we've done a bunch of high risk car stops at my department and through field craft and things like that. So now when we go on them, it's like, okay, I don't need to think about where I need to park. I don't need to think about what position Mm -hmm. I need to move to. It's just kind of a a natural thing. But again, your department or wherever will only take you so far, you have to be responsible to go shoot paper, do medical. I think medical is one of the ones that's not as glamorous as shooting because everybody wants to run a gun and shoot. Mm -hmm. but. Good Lord. Medical is so important. That was actually before I took the field craft class. The first class I took was a triple class. Um, and I learned a ton. I, 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 carry a medical kit in my car, uh, for myself. And if I see an accident or anything like that, but yeah, don't just go buy the medical equipment and not know how to use it. Don't keep it in the, the sealed bag. Train on that stuff. Train with the tourniquet, incorporate it into your workouts. Um, like a couple of companies are showing like effective fitness training and stuff like that. You got to incorporate that stuff. Yeah, Absolutely. I know it's it's not the sexy stuff to train, but it's very important in those high stress moments.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you're jumping into the law enforcement field, um, you're always looking for information out there. You're looking for people who have done it, people that are in it. What kind of advice would you give to anybody that wants to jump in to become a law enforcement officer?
1: Hmm. I would say, do your research. Um, when I was looking, I was, I was making good money in marketing, and I thought to myself, okay, if I'm going to take a pay cut, I want to make sure it's a department that is worth it. So I went on lots of ride-alongs, um, and obviously, going back, money isn't everything about it, but I, I certainly wanted to make sure the change was going to be worth it, you know, <laughs> and so. I went on a ton of ride alongs cause you can, some officers it's hit or miss. You go on a ride along and they're not going to tell you the full undercarriage of the department, right? Cause they want to show a good face about the department and make it sound great. Stuff like that. But every once in a while you'll get on a ride along and you ask the right questions like, Hey man, what's morale like? What's your retirement like? What's your, what's your support from the chief? Like, mm, um, those are the kind of questions. Question. Yeah. Those are the kind of questions that I started asking. Um, and once I found the department that I was at and started hearing more good things about it, I started volunteering. Um, I was like, hey, I have a background in marketing. Can I help you with your Facebook? Can I help you with X, Y, and Z? And that kind of gave me a more in with face-to-face with brass, more officers, to where I got to see even more of like, hey, this is if I'm going to make the jump from corporate, this is the place I want to go. Um, so I would recommend going on ride-alongs. I know it's hard with COVID right now. They're only taking applicants on ride-alongs, at least my agency. Uh, But ask those questions, go on those ride-alongs if you can. Don't ask the like, "Uh, so have you ever shot anyone? You know, those are the kinds of questions that your (laughs) ride-alongs are like, okay, dude. Um, Ask serious questions and and ask lots of them because I've had ride-alongs where some people don't ask me anything. And I'm like, okay, I just want to drop this person off. I have people that (laughs) I have people that will ask me a lot of genuine questions about the career. And I'm like, okay, this person's actually genuinely curious. And when I go back and drop that person off, my supervisors will ask, Hey, did that person ask you a lot of questions? Do you think they'd even want to work here? And that's what we call your jacket, your reputation. Mm -hmm. That's when your jacket starts. Um, so I would say be as inquisitive as you can do some research, talk to as many people as you can, and volunteering, I know that there's not an opportunity for that everywhere, but that really helped me. That kind of got me into the department without being fully committed, and really sold me on it. Like, hey, I can work with these people; they're all good people. Um, they feel supported. So
0: that's badass, brother. Now, outside of the law enforcement realm, you do have one of my favorite knife making companies. Now, <laughs> Sandwatch Knives. Let's talk about the knives and and their their durability and purpose.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, I know we've talked about it before, but anybody that's a first responder or, uh, on the front line military or anything, we got a lot of stressors that we deal with. Um, we see a lot of things and unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of unhealthy avenues that people take. Um, so I was trying to find a way that would take my mind off of things. Uh, people at work joke and say, Oh, Mr. Forge and Fire call me stuff like that. But you know, I saw the show a long time ago, and I was like, "That's pretty cool that these guys can do this." Um, so I watched a bunch of YouTube videos and and made a one for my business. Who's now my business partner made him one. He's like, "Man, I think we could uh, we could sell these." So that's kind of the the short version of how we started. But now we're up to selling thirty seven, and the support is crazy. But what it comes back to is, I wanted to create something that was a tool that I would want if I spent money something that I would want at work, either in the firehouse or on patrol that wouldn't fail me or wouldn't get dull fast. Um, So that's what we made them thick, durable. We uh, gave them wood handles so they would last longer. I mean, the the sharpened edge is at a certain degree, so they retain their sharpness longer. Uh, That's ultimately, ultimately what it comes down to is I just wanted to make a tool that I could give to my coworkers and not be embarrassed about that. They had it for like a week and it broke or something ridiculous. Um, but something that also looked nice that they would want to cherish and
0: stuff like that. So. Perfect. You know, that's like, I love it. will uh, right on my war belt. And I really I love the quality. and love the craftsmanship. Andrew, I appreciate everything you're doing. You could find Andrew on Stanwash knives on Instagram and all over social media and brother be safe out there.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it, man. You too.